All right, it's a new season of Blammo. Let's do it. Welcome back to a new season of Blammo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion and culture with the personalities that shape it. I'm so excited to share this new season with you all and even more excited that it's premiering with Sid Mashburn. I feel like there's two kinds of menswear fans. You have your serious fans who claim to know every designer and tailor before you did, and then you have the other folks who just discovered a shirt that fits. The great equalizer between those two is Sid Mashburn. Everybody loves his shop and his style of service and personality. I sat and talked with Sid about how he got started, the importance of service, and how it's still the cornerstone of their business. We even spoke about why that dang New York store hasn't opened yet. Let's do it. Mr. Sid Mashburn. Good morning. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you for even inviting me. Yeah, this is great. This has been uh, very important and special to me. And before we get too into you and your, your story, you are a huge reason why not only I'm sitting here and doing this, but also why I ended up even leaving the music industry and trying to find a way into the men's fashion world. Well, thank you. I hope I didn't lead you down a, a bad road. No, no, because I had met you initially. Old through, Town. Uh, well, yeah, we did we had, go to Old Town. We had dinner at Old Town yes. on the 18th Street. Right? <laughs> I love that place. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it was through Justin Doss and Matt Lambert. Yeah, exactly. Because Matt was in his band. Yeah. And, uh, uh, one of the things I remember I had called you and I had a voicemail saved that I actually kept saved for like two years from you where you had called me back and you, cause I had asked you, it's hilarious when you go back and you hear for myself, when I hear how goofy I sounded, but I was like, I'd love to talk to you about a Neapolitan <laughs> shoulder. And it was just like, Oh, it was so embarrassing. But I saved this voicemail and, uh, Ended up even running into you again in Florence. Right. right. This was at the, tw- at the Pitti, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at Pitti Uomo. And this was like 2011. And you turned me on to Liverano. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, where, where should I go? And you're like, oh, if, if you want to find something really special, you're like, see if you can go into Liverano. Yeah, that's a cool place. It, yeah. There's nothing like that in the world. No. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for, 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 for doing this. That up. And also, there's a lot of people who I've gotten to interact with over the years and maybe they won't listen to you unless they know what size shoe you wear, how, how special you are, how important you are in the room. And I've never, ever seen that with you. And well, thank I, you. I think like that goes a long way. Well, listen, it's funny because there's a, uh, a famous businessman mm-hmm. from uh, Atlanta and, um, his people would ask him, you know, he was a very busy guy, had lots and lots and lots of businesses. And he would take a, a, a meeting with anyone at any time. And so the people that worked around him said, you, you don't have time to meet with these people. It's like, <laughs> you're way too busy for this. And he said, why do, you, why do you insist on this? He said, you never know what Santa's going to bring. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I kind of look at it like you never know what's going to happen if you, if you don't take a meeting or converse with somebody you're you're almost cutting off something that could be something cool or special yeah so i i'm i like a random 
moment with somebody. Cool. Um, so I won't get too deep into your, your backstory in terms of, of, you know, a lot of people know you're at Land's End. A lot of people know that you found your, you're from Mississippi and right. found your way into starting Sid. We're going to kind of start at the fact that you started uh, this men's clothing store called Sid Mashburn in Atlanta, of okay. all places. Perfect. Um, what, you know, I know that you had this background. And one of the things that I've seen you slowly do is go from being, I think when I first was interacting with Sid Mashburn, you guys were selling Cuccinelli, you were selling a lot of third-party brands, sure. and you've slowly migrated to Omnibrand. Right. Like how, what, what was the process of that, and why was that important? It's, it's an excellent question. And um, we, when we kicked off in tailored clothing, we had Caruso, and we had uh, Sartorio. Mm-hmm. And uh, then over the years, we took on Devenza and Adelini and Keaton and a few other people. But um, part of it is, is we really didn't have, you know, it was myself, uh, another guy, and our master tailor, Kwang Dao. That was it. And my wife was, was our CFO. Right. So it was a small group. We had 3,000 square feet. So we were hustling, <laughs> you know, we're hustling to fit, fill the store, first of all. Sure. But we didn't really have the resources to build our own product. But that was my background was product development and design, but also I started out in a specialty clothing store. And so shirts were pretty easy um, because we, uh, we had a pat, we, we built a pattern. Mm-hmm. We knew what uh, the details we wanted. We knew what inner linings, what buttons, what fabrics we were going to use. So that was pretty easy. So we worked with, with Bob Kidder on that and to kick that off. And um, so really, and, and also I'd had a lot of, a lot of um, experience in footwear. So we kicked off with a Northampton shoemaker um, that we insisted on Goodyear Welt for that product. And we designed the line in literally, you know, two days. And wow. we insisted on one last. And because, you know, part of it is, is if you're in a manufacturing environment, it's like, it's expensive to start and stop, to start and stop, to start and stop. So they were looking for someone with a consistent point of view. And plus I'd known them. I mean, they made my, uh, our first shoes at, uh, at J. Crew. Right. Back in 1987. So it was not a new relationship for either of us. And they took a big chance on me to do this. But they, they let us do it. And so we built it all off of a special last that they were not using for anybody else. It was a reshape of something that we liked because we were looking for something that could fit a lot of different guys. Yeah, that's a tough thing with ready-to-wear. Very, especially with shoes. Yeah, with footwear. footwear too, yeah. And so, but what was nice is, is we were able to make every shoe look different because I'd had enough design experience in footwear to go, we increase the outsole or we increase the sole thickness or we had a storm welt or we, you know, uh, what, what is it we're going to do to make it ours? Okay. And part of it was the last shape that helped a lot. Right. And it was a fairly universal, it was not too stylish and it certainly was not a wallflower shape. It had a little bit of sex appeal to it, yeah, but not too much. And so, um, anyway, so we really shoes and shirts were our kickoff you know, Sid Mashburn products. And so over the course of time, as we continued to grow and started to build a following, because when we, when we opened it up also in Atlanta, you know, guys walked into the store and they were, they were a little dubious about, you know, these guys, their pants are too short, their clothes <laughs> fit a little close to the body. I don't really get it. And, um, but then they would see the tailor and they saw the tailoring shop and that it was an open air tailoring shop that was part of the whole experience. Right. Um, like a and, restaurant that has the kitchen out front. 
we totally ripped it off from Wolfgang Puck. I mean, really, because we were like, how, how do we just take, because that's so brilliant, because, and, and it's funny, there's a guy that uh, used to be the CEO of Ritz-Carlton years ago named Horst Schultze, and he would refer to um, the people that were the service people, not as back of house, but as heart of house, okay? Oh. Which is be- a beautiful way to express yeah. that. And so our tailors were really the heart of the house, because... That's how we initially built our business by saying, we don't care if you bought it at Joseph Banks. We don't care if you bought it at Brooks Brothers or Polo or um, uh, Isiaia or Anderson Shepard or Henry Poole. Bring it to us. If if your pants are too long or your pants are too short or you've lost some weight or you've gained weight, bring it to us. We will fix it for you. So that became a little bit of a hallmark that we're, you know, not just that that we're trying to build our business, but we're service-minded. Okay, so the style and the design to to me in the, this day and age, and even back then, was anti. Okay, or or table stakes. Yeah, you had to have that. But people still didn't really kind of understand our point of view. But the, that mix with service, and they saw the master tailor. They're like, wait a second, I, these clothes look a little unfamiliar to me. But they've got a tailor, and he's in the middle of the store. There's something different going on here. Hadn't yeah. seen this before. And, you know, at the, at the time, you know, I think the only other person that was really, really expressing that was probably Tom Brown as far I mean, ours was not as extreme as Tom's in the, in the look. Yeah. Uh, but he, you were more approachable Tom Brown. Uh, yeah. Well, depending on the guy. Yes. And yeah. particularly for an Atlanta guy. And, and the, the, thank God for, for Tom that, that he did do that because it made people go, I don't get that, but that means something different's going on. It was a little bit of a, of a, um, just a, a, a nod to something different going on out there. And so over the course of the years, we were able to convert guys out of pants that were too big, jackets that were too long, cross shoulders that were too wide, bodies that were too big, lapels that were not quite right, and into something that we think is a very universal look. And, you know, my wife, Ann, characterized it early on. She says, what? What she liked about what she perceived in the in the men's dressing room and what was coming out of there is 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 that we work more off of prescription than we do dictate. Mm. So we've got a pretty good set of boundaries right. uh, or shoulders, or I guess like a road shoulder of where we operate. But there's room for you to to express yourself within that too, and that's super important for us. We don't necessarily want the Sid Mashburn look. We want to look that that. You know, looks kind of like what we do, but it has to be Jeremy's look, you know, right. because, you know, we, we want you to be clothed in, in your right mind. We, you know, we don't want you to be clothed in our right mind. Right. Uh, I mean, which is, so what you're saying though, which is really beautiful, that's not the message of every other retailer. If you come in, like in most things, and, and I'm not here to, to rip on anyone else, sure. but you would go into another store and the, the mission of that store is to make a clone. Yeah. Of of who they think you need to be. Oh, like come to us. We're gonna make you look like us. Right. You're and, and we're the best. We're sexy. We're smart. And what you just said, uh, I mean, not only am am I already sold way before we even started this, but like that is so easy to digest and at the end of the day is really empowering because especially with menswear, so much of it is about confidence. Right. Oh, you guess what, Jeremy? That might be the thesis statement. You just nailed it. Is <laughs> is all we're really selling 
or sharing yeah. or offering for men is confidence. And for women, what we're sharing, selling, offering is beauty. But the beauty translates to confidence. Guys are not necessarily looking for handsomeness or, yeah. you know, they're looking to feel good and to feel good in their own skin. And that's what we're trying to do. And if we come in, if they come in and we completely change their wardrobe, there's not enough of a bridge or a transition there for him to own that look. Huh. He's got to kind of, we have to slowly dial it into him. And I've got a, a very close friend of mine, um, one of my best friends, who came in early on, loved clothes, was a stylish guy. His clothes were at least a size, if not two sizes, too big. Okay. <laughs> and in the early days, he kept insisting on kind of staying where it is. And just over the course of time, it's been more like a dimmer switch approach mm. as opposed to a circuit breaker. Well, today he wears his clothes tighter than I wear my clothes. <laughs> um, but he also he looks good. It does, it's, not, sure. it's not too too tight. And we don't let him wear a jacket that's too short. I mean, that's, that's where we're trying to go also is we want to be in the moment but not of the moment. Right. Okay. So we don't want it to be too, too um, pointy as far as, or too sharp, I think is, is a way to think of it. And, and jackets that are too shorts or jackets that are too tight or pants that are too tight or pants that are too short start to lose a little bit of their interest for us. Some guys love that. And sure. some guys look very cool with that. But for us, we're, we're working off of a more, democratic or egalitarian or uh, populistic or just approachable and accessible look yeah. that we think works for a lot of different guys. Because we, we also said when we wrote the business plan, because I wrote it with, with my wife and with my oldest daughter, who's our, uh, she's the creative director under, or creative manager under my wife. And we basically were saying, we don't want a dif- demographic. Mm-hmm. That was not interesting to us. So our youngest customer ever is 11. Our oldest is 87, and that's why we have Levi's jeans for $65 a pair. Yeah. And we have a handmade suit that costs my $10,000. Sure. Because we're telling every guy, this is a place for you. Okay? And again, since I'm from Mississippi, I don't want a guy to come in and turn over a price tag and see something where he goes, man, I didn't know Sid was so expensive. <laughs> you know? You, you want it so that a guy goes... Man, I can get any, I can get my jeans at Sid's, or I can get a polo shirt, or I can get a belt, or I can get a, you know, something. I want them to be able to to experience the brand. And we've kind of joked before that it's a little bit like a frat with no, where everybody gets a bid. Yeah. Okay. It's open to every man, regardless of where your station in life is, regardless of how much money you make, regardless of of what you like. You 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 can walk out of our shop taken care of. And so we, you know, we, if we had to kind of nail it down to what our mission for guys is, is how do we enhance their life? Have you considered becoming a pastor? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, you know what, actually um, it is a place where all sinners are welcome though. Right. And I think, I think, you know, and I won't, I'm not going to jump on anything religious here, but what, what you spoke is, is so sweet and warm and it's, I want to be there. Like I I want to be at a place, you know, the whole cheers thing. Like you want to be a place where people know your name and people, and people care about you. We say that that line is such a good one. I don't know who wrote that song. It is so corny and so cliche and so (laughs) perfect, isn't it? (laughs) 
I want to go to a place where everybody knows my name. Yeah. Yeah. Where, pe- where people care about you. Yeah. Um, one of the things that happened. So when I first was falling into the, the whole, the Sid Mashburn world, this is like 2009, 10. And you guys went from, uh, at least for me, for being something I'd never heard of to being the new gold standard. You had this uh, big spread in GQ uh, of, I think it was Pete Samuelson, you, Matt. Uh, it was and JD, yeah, and and Doss and Justin yeah. Doss, yeah. yeah, and it was, yeah, oh, it was it was incredible. And I remember you guys. The, one of the big things that you kind of championed was the double monk and yeah. wearing shoes uh, without socks or, or, but it wasn't too prescribed. It was like what you were saying earlier. It was like this is kind of how we do it. This is our framework. Yeah. How, like, how aware were you that of this, like, skyrocket success that you guys had? And we're just going one day at a time. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you, you, you can't, you just do your best every day. Yeah. And I, I felt, you know, we, we would never have gotten in the business because when we started it, you know, I'd been fired from Land's End in uh, 2006. And my wife, Ann, we had five daughters and she was like, well, we're going back to New York, right? And I was like, yeah. And, um, and so I'd go on interviews and, and even the people interviewing me and I, uh, they were like, they could almost tell that my head and heart wasn't in the interview, oh. even though I, I didn't even know it. I thought I was into it, but yeah. you could almost see in their eyes them going, this guy's not here. And, um, so anyway, she finally, you know, relented and said, okay, we've been poor before. We're going to lose all of our money. You're employable. Being poor wasn't so bad. Let's, let's give it a shot. And we had put away money for kids' college education. So we okay. were in a pretty good spot there. Okay. And so we, we said, let's go do this store. And so we looked at nine cities and got it down to New York and Chicago. And she said, how about Atlanta? And she's from the northern Midwest, and we met in New York. I was like, how about great? And we went to Atlanta, and it was really? uh, spring was coming on, and we found a place because of um, the restaurants that were around it. Right. And there was no men's store even. Yeah, because Hal Mill, I mean, that was kind of a, a industrial complex type area. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, for sure. And um, it, was, it was a rundown. You know, the only thing that, was, that, was, that had, had held it um, where people from other parts of town had, were coming was the fabric business. There were two fabric, really great fabric stores there. Gotcha. But also what popped up there was, was really the vision of um, Michael Phillips and Katie Walker. Michael runs James, or is the president of Jamestown Properties now, which owns Chelsea Market and oh, wow. City. Um, visionaries they were. But they took this, you know, they were also, I think, were on the front edge of reuse. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm quickly switching over from, from apparel and service to real estate, which... Now is really part of what we do also is understanding what makes a great co-tenancy, what makes a great neighbor, and what makes a great neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael had a women's store and had the best restaurant in Atlanta there, Bacchanalia. He had uh, Ford Fry was just coming on with his restaurant, and Taqueria, which was like, really, a Taqueria in Atlanta? <laughs> and it was fantastic. Oh, okay. And I went there, um, and my friends took me to a Mexican restaurant in Atlanta. I'm like, why are we going here? I don't and right. it's cold. We got to wait outside. And sure enough, it was awesome. And that led me back to that place at the end of my first week of looking around Atlanta because I couldn't find anything in Atlanta. And I wanted to go back and get one of those tacos. And <laughs> what happened is, is I went there. The parking lot was teeming. I was like, okay, 
there's something here. This oh, is okay. this is a, a sticky, sizzly place. And that was it. And what's funny also is this taqueria, $2 taco, JCT was a $15 entree, and Bacchanalia was a $30-plus entree, and two-time James Beard Award winner. It expressed what our merchandising strategy was, good, better, and best. Right. All kind of under one, in one parking lot. So it was, you started to see the similarities, and you want to hang out with people that are like you. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so we, we wound up in, in that space and going, you know what, we, we want to be in a place where people are, we're not going to go be in a mall. Yeah. Okay. No, you're, no, no way. Thank so, God you never did. Yeah. And, and listen, that's not to say, I mean, I've said never a lot enough to say I shouldn't say never. Okay. You know, um, <laughs> and I don't think we're going into one and maybe we will one day if there's a cool one. And I, okay. uh, I think that you know, I'll, I'll do a quick sidebar. The death of the mall is overstated. It's kind of like what Mark Twain said. Yeah. You know, um, the, the mall can come back and come back strong. If, I if, agree. If envisioned the right way and curated the right way. So anyway, I don't know how I got so far off of what your question was, but... Um, no, this is great. You, you yeah. went where you wanted to go, and you were explaining why you chose to, to open your, your, uh, the shop in Howmel. And, and I actually, you answered a question I didn't even know I was going to ask, which is you, didn't, you weren't just in Atlanta being like, hmm, I wonder what to do. I'll open a shop. You specifically went there to open a store. Yeah, we looked at all the cities in particular to go, can they do this? And we, we figured out that if there's a professional sports team there, Mm. It, it probably and there's not too many men's clothing stores there or too many options we probably can exist there outside of maybe oakland and green bay okay you know, every place else is probably fair <laughs> fair game and listen oakland's my fa- no, no, favorite football team so I, i'm bummed that they moved to las vegas that's a whole other story um but green bay's probably not going to support a, a independent men's specialty store but you know the other thing that i think that came out of this also was that that i grew up in you know my grandparents were merchants and i my first job out of, um, as I got my driver's license was in an independent men's specialty store, a place where everybody knew how to take care of you and knew how to right. touch you. Customer intimacy was big. Right. Product development was not their strong suit. But then I went on to work with, you know, uh, after J. Crew, I went to Ralph and Tommy and, and then on to Land's End. Ralph and Tommy were mostly wholesale businesses. They knew how to develop product, right. but customer intimacy was not their focus. So we were looking for a place where we could pull all that together. Yeah. And that's, that's how we came up. I mean, it's not like it's a brilliant idea. It was just more like that was what our experience led us to. Right. And so, and my wife was an editor and she was great about understanding how to help a lot of different types of people. You know, she worked, she was Polly Mellon's assistant at Vogue, mm-hmm. and then she worked at Glamour, which arguably Glamour, at least at that time, was probably the top women's magazine in the market, in a sense, um, because it was for every woman. Right. You know, Vogue is always Vogue, and no one would ever confuse Vogue. Is Vogue is its own category. Exactly. Vogue, yeah. and it's like New York City. <laughs> no one would ever confuse Vogue and Glamour, but, but, but Glamour was very much a service magazine. With great style tips. You know, they did the, the original do's and don'ts. I don't know yeah. if you saw that with the women's <laughs> eyes blacked out. <laughs> it was, but um, anyway, um, so we both came from a, from a perspective of how do you help people, but how do you offer style? So in a sense, a little bit like being a good neighbor that's got some style, somebody right. that's approachable that you can ask about it. Right. That's how we wanted to, to position the stores. And you were at 
So, I mean, uh, you had one store in Atlanta. Yes. And there was this rumor that existed from people that I knew had never met you, but said that they knew that you were going to open a store in New York. Yeah. And this is like 2011, 2012. Right. And they're like, I heard Sid. I'm like, how do you, oh, you know Sid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really cool. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to open a store in New York. I was like, oh, okay. So much that I'm going to, I know other retailers who are terrified to open in New York because of the, the breadth of that Sid Mashburn might come to town, which is like, you're, you're, it's, it just goes to show how, how good you are at what you're doing. Well, thank you. But then you went to Houston. Yes. Uh, DC. Yes. LA. Yes. What, I mean. And you, Dallas. Oh, and Dallas. Excuse me. Yes. What, like. I'm not asking you to reveal cities or anything, but no. what is the is the plan to continue expanding? Uh, yes, yeah, uh, but not in an aggressive way, right? In a way where the customer's asking for us to come, because you know one of the reasons we wanted, and we were we were looking for a place. We actually all put an LOI on a place in New York City, and really? and we lost it to out to a, a much larger, bigger company that took it sure. the beautiful space and and um we didn't get it which i'm a big believer in understanding closed doors means not mm. not right now okay um and so um but one of the reasons we we're coming to new york is because it's such a strong business for us online yeah it's our number one market online oh wow strong 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 and then uh, la was was similar it's like you, people go well why in the world would you go from atlanta to la all it's the way a very across different the vibe totally yeah but it's our it was our number three market online okay and so um we like to go where we're invited we don't like to muscle our way into a market houston was was doing a nice business and we had customers from there my sister had lived there for 30 years we felt, thought it was pretty similar to atlanta mm-hmm and back then when we did, the the, the, uh, the city as a whole was on fire, Houston, when we opened it. Um, and Georgetown, we know Washington has a dearth of great men's specialty stores. And so we said, we're, we're, we're going to go to that market yeah. at some point. And then Dallas came as a result of us losing the space in, in New York. Um, and Dallas is going to be a great market, too. Yeah. So we we'll grow, but we we'll, we don't want to be too pushy about it and kind of let it seek its own level. Yeah. Um, because also I think sometimes you can grow, t- at least for us, too fast, and we don't want all the stores to feel too cookie cutter right. or like they're like, oh yeah, I've I've seen this place before. And also, people for us are super important. You know, what's the personality of the of the team? What's their level of sort of care and empathy and service that they want and the hospitality that they want to offer the customer? So finding those people is always a little bit of a of a art art and science form too. Yeah. I mean it, that's that leads me to one of the other things I wanted to ask you is you're unlike any person I've ever met. Uh it's especially within this industry. And so how do you find a way uh to impart your not just say your wisdom and your experience, but the ethos of what you've been trying to build to your staff? Um, it, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. And the best way is to find guys that already smoke the same stuff I do. <laughs> you know, right. They love clothes and they love people. Right. You know, or, or they love people and they love to, you know, to share stuff with them. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big piece for us. And, I'm not the easiest guy to work for. I, I like to run pretty fast and, you know, I can change my mind, you know, or, or I'm, I can be pretty nimble, 
you know, but working for someone that's pretty nimble can be difficult. Sure. Okay. So, um, but we found, uh, we've got a great team that, that, that thinks the same way. They like the energy, the pace we work at. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a New York pace, but it's probably faster than most paces in the South. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we wanted to, um, you know, we don't, we don't do any commission sales staff. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. We, um, we like for it to be a, um, we don't like for it to be as transactional as commission selling can be. I'm not saying that it always is, but it can go that way. I, I, I feel that. I yeah. felt that before. Yeah. And so we, we'd rather not go that way. And so even when we cast the stores, we cast it, you know, when I wrote the business plan, I said, there's going to be a guy with gray hair in the store and a guy with dreads in the store. Okay. Okay. So it's a little bit like casting a movie. Yeah. Where the guy with the gray hair and the guy with the dreads, they're the same guy, only different ages. Yeah. Okay. You want a, a wide demographic and variety. For sure, but with the same heart. Yeah. That's the key, is this, the heart has to be the same, or at least headed towards the same place. Because, you know, some guys are, you know, young and not as mature, and their heart's not quite there yet. But they, you can sense it. You can mm-hmm. sense when a guy's a server. Mm-hmm. Um, and a grinder. We like grinders. Yeah. Um, and scrappy. <laughs> we want to be scrappy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, finding those guys, you know, because the other thing is, is, is I oftentimes will underestimate what I know and my experience because I think everybody knows, you know, what I know. Sure. And they don't. You know, we're doing a series of videos right now for the guys on uh, to share with customers how to pack, how to tie a tie. It's like, really? Do y'all need to do how to tie a tie? It's like. Uh, trust me, yeah. it's out there. Yeah. And the thing, well, the thing about it is we have a, a way that we, we do things that we think, you know, if we can give a guy economy of time and give him a few tips on how to take care of his time, you know, and get him in and out of the store as quickly as possible, we've done our work. If we add economy of mind to that by saying, we don't give you seven types of jeans. We give you Levi's, APCs, and Sid Mashburn. We don't give you eight types of shirts. We give you Sid Mashburn and Fenimore. Yeah. Okay. We don't, you know, we don't give you 15 different selections of things. We've edited the heck out of it. So if we can give you economy of time, if we can give you economy of mind, and then ultimately if we can give you economy of money, you probably will come back yeah. if you feel taken care of. And the economy of money is, is that's, that's why one reason we design our own product, because we're quasi-vertical. So we, t- you know, go straight from the factory straight to our store. And we like to keep price points so that a lot of different guys can shop with us. So. That's one reason we have Levi's jeans at sixty-five bucks a pair. Yeah, I mean that—that's pretty pretty affordable, especially these days with you know jeans being two, three hundred dollars. That's right, and then we can also we'll bespoke them for you. Yeah. So the tailor shop will pin them, flay them, resew them, customize for you for an extra thirty bucks. So for ninety-five dollars, you walk out with a pair of custom Levi's. That's that's a pretty dang good deal. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Excuse me. So the 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 point there is is again, how do you open up? demographic Mm -hmm. so you're telling every guy this could be your store it's not going to be some guys just don't like it when they come in or they don't feel at home or they feel intimidated i mean that's probably the biggest thing about men's stores in general is they can feel very intimidating we're trying to knock that off right at the first so we we have a saying that when somebody walks in hug them with your eyes right across the room just like that wow just give them give them a smile throw your hand up say come on in (laughs) I mean, and it's, it's true. I mean, it's no, like, it's true. It's like you think, you know, we, it's funny because my kids will be back in Mississippi and we're going, driving down the road and I wave. And they're like, did you know that person? I'm like, no. 
Um, <laughs> but kind of, you know, and just throwing your hand up. Yeah. It's funny. A smile and throwing your hand up is amazing how quickly it breaks somebody down. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You walk down the streets in New York City and you say hey to somebody. Lots of bemused looks, but yep. oftentimes you'll get a cracked smile. Yeah. You're like, that's all people are looking for. It's a little <laughs> lift. And so we, we feel like it's incumbent on us when you walk in the store. What do we give you for walking in the store? Yeah. We're going to give you a Coke or water or beer and certainly going to give you a smile and hopefully a little lift to your day. Yeah. It's super important to what we do because to us, we're, we're um, it, it's like, I feel like we're artists mm-hmm. and clothes are our medium. You Interesting. Know? And so how do, you, how do you make that palpable to customers that you're not trying to sell them something, but you're like trying to share something with them? Mm-hmm. You know, a guy came in and said, hey, man, I, w- I, want, I want to look like you. I'm like, no, you don't. He's a very <laughs> successful lawyer, very successful, very smart, very brainy, very powerful guy. He said, no, I, I want my pants just like yours. I'm like, no, you don't. And um, so you told you told a customer no. Oh yeah, and so finally I relented sure. and said, "Okay, so and so, I'll do it." So his wife came in about five weeks later, and I said, "Hey, how are so and so's pants?" She says, "He hadn't worn them once." <laughs> <laughs> so that's the part about dialing. You know, right. we want to be the 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 dimmer switch, not the circuit breaker. How do we dial it in for you? Yeah. You know, how do we dial it in for the next guy? It's still going to be the same fabrics. Still going to be roughly the same cut. Okay. Mm-hmm. Still going to be our point of view. It's just not as, as, as narrow as, as, as I personally might like it. Yeah. And you can go through our stores and see a consistent look, but it's like it's not a cookie cutter look. There's enough personality there. Right. You know, so we're wearing a similar uniform, but not exactly the same. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, other companies who have kind of tried to emulate what you do, and especially now, like a lot of people are concerned about uh, brick and mortar going away and how everyone is kind of shopping on Amazon and, and things like that. So a lot of these companies have tried to shift by really digitally engaging yes. their, their clients uh, with Instagram and, and stories and, and all these things. And that's not something that I've seen a lot from you guys, and that's not a criticism. Yeah. But the one thing that I have seen is. So people went that way, and then you guys, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you started an AM radio station? Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> what how did that We're happen? We're so smart, aren't we? <laughs> no, I'm just like, okay, okay. It's, it's, a lot of people have been like, why in the world would you do that? Because we're trying to express what we like and right. share what we like, and we love music. You know. Yeah. I mean, you're a music guy. and um. Uh, the most immediate art form out there, wouldn't you suggest, is probably music? Yeah, it's the universal language. It's the universal language. It's like that uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash song, you know, uh, that, a smile is first. <laughs> you know, but he says, if you smile at me, I'll understand, because that's something everybody does in the same language. Yeah. You know, but a, a song is right after that. I mean, you can change a room just with, you know, three measures. Right. You know, and so we like to share music. And in our store, no death metal. No gangster rap, clean versions. Okay, you know, we did a we did yeah. a we did on one of the shows. We did a uh, clean version. It's hard to find of CeeLo and uh, not Danger Mouse, but um, 
Uh, he's collaborated with a lot of people. Yeah, CeeLo and somebody, but it was a clean version, and it was it was kind of hard to find. Because <laughs> uh, we, you know, what I don't I don't listen to words in music at first. Yeah, I'm just what's what's, what's the, the vibe? What's the vibe? Yeah, what's the vibe? And then I get to the words later. But we want to be careful because we got you know infants, little kids. We got grandmas coming in. It's got to be kind of safe for the family. No, I, okay? I completely understand. But we wanted the music to be a mix of what we like. So we like country, mostly old country. Yeah. We like soul. We like blues. We like rock. We like prog rock. We like new. We like, you know, we like hip hop. We like a little bit of everything. And so how do you share that? So again, what you're trying to share with the with people out there is, this is a place for everybody. Yeah. A place where everybody knows your name. Hopefully everybody knows your name or wants to know your name. Do you have people come in who are like, I was listening to the radio and I, and I came on down? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, That's we, incredible. We have, I'm, I'm amazed at the people that listen to the radio show and like it. Because as I joke, we got to get rid of the DJ, but the music's good. Well, okay. aren't you the DJ? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so good. But I, I grew up on really good radio stations. WOKJ in Jackson, Mississippi uh, is 1590, the black spot on your dial. And then uh, WZZQ, where Bob Pittman was, the guy that started MTV. Oh, wow. And they used to play fantastic music. And it was, you know, the, the um, WOKJ was a little bit more Stax Volt than Motown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm all Stax. Yeah, it was awesome, which I love Motown too. But, uh, and ZZQ was a little bit of everything. I mean, you go from Emerson Lake and Palmer to James Brown. Yeah. You know, which was pretty cool. And so uh, to Gil Scott here and back to Frank Sinatra, not quite, maybe not Frank Sinatra, but it was a pretty diverse you know, to Gino Vanelli. Okay. Very diverse, you know, soundtrack. And I like that because of the inclusiveness of it, because I, I, I'm, we're sitting here and we've got Julie here with us. And I, I just want to say, I want to look for a, a glimmer of recognition between both y'all. Don't sometimes you listen to a song on the radio and you're like, I wonder if somebody's listening to this and enjoying it the way I'm enjoying it. I mean, isn't that the beauty of radio? Yeah. Is that you're sharing you're, you're having a moment with somebody else. You don't know that person. You never met them, but you're having a moment with them. <laughs> and it's cool. No, I, 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 completely, I completely agree. I think there's, I used to make the argument that um, the best music was recorded in the 70s and then it stopped. Um, because <laughs> you can't imagine how many 70s we play. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was the perfect day and age. And I'll, I won't go off too far on a tangent here, but the fact that, um, you had to be really talented to record. Yes, yes. It wasn't the way it is now in which anyone can record, right? So there was like the best of the best were the ones that were in the studio. Right. And the technology of recording was not that advanced as it is now. Right. So, I mean, like Dark Side of the Moon was recorded on 16 tracks. If, if, that, if you can make Dark Side of the Moon on 16 tracks, like you don't need to do a record with 200 now. Yeah, that's right. That is right. <laughs> and it, it's funny how much, I mean, we, we, we're like, gosh, we got to find some new music because we're playing all 70s stuff. We sound like an oldies <laughs> station or something. So um, anyway, you're, uh, we, we love, and what's funny is, is to a person, every guy in the store loves music. I mean, you know, um, uh, Matt likes shoegazing. Randall likes jazz. Yeah, you know, uh, we had a, a guy that worked for us, Isaac, who was a uh, loved the Isley Brothers. So, 
all the guys would always try to hide the Isley Brothers records because they, they, they couldn't take the guitar solos. I'm like, turn it up. Because um, you play records at your store. Oh, yeah. Oh, You guys yeah. don't have some, you know, little like Sonos kicking on with Pandora. No. <laughs> you know what, though? At, at Christmas time, because it's tough to find Christmas records. Yes, it is. Um, we will we'll move over to the to the iPod. Okay. You know, or sometimes during, you know, when we're too busy or something, we will. But for the most part, we got pretty good collections of records in every store. Yeah. And you're even selling audio stuff yep. now. Yep. We sell, uh, we're trying to actually, we're, we're trying to crystallize it down to the perfect takeaway audio system, uh, which is hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. There's so many disparate products out there. And plus, you know, people digest music in such different ways, but we, we do a nice business in records. Um, and so, uh, we, and the girls like music, everybody likes music. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is, is part of the language of the store. So we started AM 69. We, we started it. It's, um, uh, it's called WSID. My wife named it. I did not like it, but she's like, trust me, it's really good. And we've got a t-shirt, which is pretty cool. WSID. Do you sell it at your store? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah is cool. it online? Uh, I think it's online. Yeah. Okay, I gotta look for it. Yeah, well, I, I know somebody that can help you get one. Okay. So, um, <laughs> but we play everything from. Um, let's see, we play um, the Spinners to Gil Scott Heron to uh, Don Cherry to um, Merle Haggard. I mean, right. It's really just a mix of stuff that we like, and we, you know, what we don't really do the. We've done some theme shows, like we did Space, which was was pretty cool. Yeah, because some of these you re, you rebroadcasted online. Yeah, and we yeah. did um, we, every one of them's available online oh, or okay. on Sound on SoundCloud. Um, we did a cowboy show, but then we found that lately we've just kind of been like, "What are we feeling? Let's just play it." Yeah, you know, because it's recorded, so you lose a little bit of the live vibe. Mm. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun, and you know the digital piece. So I will say we we have stepped up a little bit. So we're doing more Instagram. We're doing a little bit more on. Oh, Facebook. you definitely have. Yeah, we have, um, and we think that's another arrow in the quiver. It's not mm-hmm. the arrow, and you know people that say that online's taking over for brick and mortar. We don't we don't feel that way. We feel that um, the brick and mortar is is. Actually, we like that to be the tip of our spear as opposed to the online. I, I can be channel agnostic, honestly. You mm-hmm. know, omnichannel to me is not just brick and mortar or online. It's uh, at your club, at your house, out of the trunk of your car. It's like, where do you want to do business, man? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Right? <laughs> it's like, wh- how can I help you manage your time? Because that's ultimately kind of, once I'm a trusted advisor, how do I make it as easy as possible for you to be taken care of? You want me to meet you at your house? You, you want to come by here? Oh, wait, you got a black tie tonight? Well, you know what? You need to get here now. Or do you want me and Kadir or me and Dow to come over to your house or Matt and Dow or, or uh, Alex or Kurt or whoever and the tailor to come over right now and fit you? We'll sew it up and then we'll either drop it off at your house or we can meet you at the event or you can come back here. Or, oh, you got to leave for a flight tonight? We can... We can alter it, and we'll meet you at the airport. That's, I mean, that's above and beyond. I don't, I mean, I know a lot of retailers that that's the thing that they try to say is like, look, online you can't do that. You're you're not going to sit and wait for an Amazon Prime package to come meet you at 
you know, your hotel tonight and can accommodate you and then teach you how to put this tie on. And then certainly yeah. not tailored. No, no. Yeah. For yeah sure. And listen, they do a fantastic job, but we're, how do we, how do we blur that line? Yeah. Okay. And, and somebody asked Ann early on, they're like, gosh, you do a great job in the store. How are you going to replicate that online? She said, we're not going to. And they're like, well, why wouldn't you? She said, we're going to do our best to get as close to that as possible. And at some point that may converge, but right now we're unable to do that. Yeah. So one, one way we've recently done it is, is we launched a made-to-measurement shirt program online. And one of the ways we offer to fit you is, is a Skype fitting. So Skype or FaceTime. That's we'll, fascinating. We'll do a fitting with you. Yeah. So you say you want to make an appointment, we'll send you a package with a uh, measuring tape. And then you... you really will need somebody else to help you and we'll take you through the paces of how do you measure yourself. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool. And what's funny is, is it's turned into not just fittings, but also consultations about what to wear, when to wear, how to wear. Yeah. And And also a little bit of a come on to guys to go, wait a second, I just need to come to the store. And we're like, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'd I'd kick myself if I don't get to ask you this. And I know I want to be conscious of your time. Um, As I've been watching, you know, the store used to be called Sid Mashburn, and I've seen it start to drop the Sid, which is fine because now you're doing women's, and the yes. women's is fantastic. Uh, was that the was that always the intent, or never the intent? So, as I mentioned earlier, we have five daughters, yeah. and in 2009, our landlord Michael Phillips started pushing us. Uh, a space was coming open in the center, and he was pushing us to do a women's store, and so. You know, my wife already had a pretty busy schedule because uh, she was working in the business, helping mm-hmm. me, but also, you know, running our home and the kids. And so um, he finally talked her into doing it. And I, I, you know, I'm Mr. Glass overflowing. I'm not even half full or half empty. I'm very <laughs> optimistic. But I told her, I said, listen, you're going to lose your free time. We may not make money at first. And you're going to find a trouble adjusting to your schedule. Sure. And she said, you know what? I need to tell our girls that you don't sit on the sideline, that you go ahead and hop in the game. I was like, wow, that was good. I'm so glad I married you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I definitely outkicked my coverage there. Uh, But she, um, and it was a, it was a, a, a great way of, and listen, she's, she's the hardest working woman in show business. I mean, she really really is incredible today she's out in in la at a uh trunk show in our men's store at uh, with rebecca de ravenel at brentwood country mart which is pretty cool um but she she's probably in a strange way maybe if she's i wouldn't say this she's one of the best salesmen on the floor in, in the right. women's store because she's so good at adjusting to what it is you're looking for or needing Mm-hmm. And she's a great advocate for what she thinks is the right thing to put in your wardrobe, not something to, to sell you. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I'm, I'm very proud of is that our guys will quickly say, mm, no, that's not for you. Okay. But this is, and how do us, you know, again, how do we become a trusted advisor for you? So anyway, we, we launched that store in 2010 and the first year she raced off to a fantastic start unbelievable and she's been able to build a a small design team that is awesome we have a a girl that works with us um that i used to work with at lansing and lon trontai who's awesome and um 
just we've been able to grow the whole team so a, a, a small merchandising team and sourcing team because we there are a lot of balls in the air for what it is we do mm-hmm. and so her aesthetic is very much like mine it's like enough fashion actually probably a little more fashion than the men's side but enough to keep it interesting but not enough to make it so that it's not understandable right you know because we we don't ever really want to be behind we always want to be ahead at least in our own way sure uh, but we also want it to be understandable or at least a way that we can communicate to the customer, this is how you should wear this or this is what you should be thinking of and this is where you're going to wear this. So, for instance, the fabric I've got on right now, which is kind of what we call our, our monk's cloth, is a lino weave. It's a blend of wool and cotton that we had, you know, woven for us. And guys were like, how do, how do I really wear this? Is it? What time of year do I wear yeah, that? Yeah, it's like kind of piquet looking. Kind, kind of, of summery, but yeah. it's heavy enough that you can wear it in the fall. And we're like, you know what? We like it for year-round ourselves. And so we're, we do a lot of education, not as much as I'd like to. We need to do more with our teams. But our guys are very, very uh, you know, knowledgeable about the fabrics, about the cuts, about the weights, you know, where, the, where the product is made, where the fabrics come from. Mm. And so that's part of, you know, in the old days, it's a little bit like popping the hood. You know, guys like to pop the hood. They like to understand (laughs) what's underneath or what's inside the jacket. Yeah. So we don't make any shortcuts on our fabrics and so, uh, or, or make at all. And it's the same thing on the women's side. So she's really, we, we have the same come to market point of view, but she again has a little more fashion and she's got a little bit more third party product than we do. Oh, okay. Very, you know, marginal, maybe 10% less of her own product. So, um, anyway, it's, it's also a very nice compliment because a guy comes in the store, he wants to get something for his wife or his yeah, wife comes in or go. the girl comes in, she wants to get something for her boyfriend or husband or whatever. Um, and it's also a great example for our, our girls. So, yeah. Well, this has been really, really good. There's uh, just one or, or two other things that I, I wanted to ask you. Um, what, two things. One, what causes you to get up every morning? And then the last thing is, what's next? Um, the sun comes up. <laughs> That's it. Um, and I, 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 love, I love what I do. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, do, meeting people. And connecting with them, you, you can't beat that. Yeah. And then I have something that I love to do that to make money with. It's unbelievable. That's yeah, true. You get I mean, to make a living doing that. It's a total gift from God. Yeah. And then uh, what's next? Um, I think we've got, I've got a meeting with a customer in about <laughs> a half hour. Okay. Um, I don't like to get too far ahead of myself. But Good in the context that you're really asking, <laughs> we don't know, but we're going right. to let it kind of seek its own level. We'd like to open up more stores if possible. We'd like for our e-commerce to grow. We'd like to put some more support on that. Um, you know, we've done a, a, a few more of these um, how-to videos that we're sharing in store. Um, yeah, I just, remember this, the blue sport coat video that Sangsvon did. Yeah, and yeah. so what we're doing now is we just did uh, a few sort of shorts on that for guys to share with their customers. And um, really, it's just kind of how do we spread the news of what we got because there's still so many people that don't know what we're doing. And we offer great design, great style, great experience, great quality, great value, great service. And, you know, one of the ways that you you asked earlier about how we – you know, really find the guys that work with us. You know, one of the things that we put down on paper 
probably about three years into the business, maybe four, is, you know, everything had been kind of an oral tradition. Right. We were getting too big, and we weren't able to spend as much time with everybody, so we put it down on paper, and we came up with what are our core values. This is, is very, very key to what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first two values were hopefulness and helpfulness, because that's what we found when we went to Atlanta. Everybody we ran into was sunny and helpful. It was incredible. And then so I asked our master tailor, Dow, I said, Dow, what is it that characterizes, you know, how you discern if a tailor is the right guy? He said in his Laotian accent, honesty and hard work. Oh, and God. so the H's were working hard. So the right. alliteration was strong. And so we said, we well, you know what? What we do requires a great deal of humility. And I'm not saying I'm a humble guy. That's, let's don't get that, that wrong. Um, but in, in my best moment, I, I act in that way. And when you combine all those together, you get honor out of that. So we're trying to in, inculcate into all of our guys that, that working in a store and taking care of people's clothing needs is not shallow. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a high calling. Yeah. And it should be something that you can make good money in, that you can be very um, creative in, and that you can feel gratified in knowing that what you're doing is, is benefiting somebody else's life. Because as G- Deion Sanders says, <laughs> if you look good, you feel good. That's true. If you feel good, you play good. And if you play good, they pay good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, it, it's true. You know, so guy, and I don't, I think guys forget the, um, you know, we, one of the things Ann said also along the way is, is we dress out of manners. We dress for where we're going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we want to be respectful of what we're walking into and their situation. So, you know, we see it, uh, particularly with guys, because we see a lot of people coming and going to restaurants. The, the girls are always more dressed up than the guys. Not always. Most of the time. I would, I would argue that. Yep. We're in Italy. It's kind of the opposite. <laughs> Is that fair to say? No, that's very fair. Yeah. And so we're looking for that balance kind of in between. We're wanting to help the guys get a little more dressed up, you know, um, because there's a race to comfort. It's like, I don't need to feel, I always feel, I need to feel comfortable, but I don't need everything to be easy. And, you know, sometimes I just want to look good. Yeah. And when I look good, I feel good. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. That was that's very sweet and rich. I yeah. really appreciate this. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, this hey, is, this they, an honor. thank you for hosting me. Thanks for asking, and it's really an honor to talk to you, so oh. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. All right. Talk to you soon, Sid. Okay. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back next week. If you like what you heard, leave a review. It helps what others know and discover the show. Subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast or send me an email at jeremy at blamopod.com. See you next week.